0: He lovingly grabbed my shoulders and said, "Honey, I think you need to take a deep breath." What? I thought to myself, resisting the urge to punch my husband in the face. Take a deep breath? That is the last thing I want to do. This was a common scenario in our house. Me coming downstairs to share my stress and anxiety, and my husband, trying his hardest to help, by reminding me to take a deep breath. He didn't mean to anger me to the point of violence. He meant it as a kind, loving activity that he knows works in decreasing anxiety. But for me, taking a deep breath when I'm that anxious is torture. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. And it's not just deep breathing. Any attempt to reconcile the idea that I need to slow down with my desire to push, 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 and accomplish as much as possible has always been a challenge, and I'm sure it will continue to be. The idea of sitting down to meditate for any considerable length of time makes me want to jump out of my skin. But I have found a way around it, a way to get into my body and take a break from the never-ending chatter of my monger. Back in December, we talked about the three characters that play in our minds, the monger, the inner critic, the BFF, the voice of false self-compassion, and the biggest fan, the voice of kindness and wisdom. When we hear our monger talking and berating us, or our BFF judging other people or sabotaging us, the goal is to bring in the voice of the biggest fan. All this month, we'll be talking about how to do that. We'll be diving deeper into my three-step ask system for calling in the biggest fan. Last week, I introduced Ask and talked about the first step, acknowledging your feelings. And if you missed it, please go back and give it a listen. This week, we're talking about the second step, the S step, slow down and get into your body. Okay, so here's the truth. To deal with your monger, you have to get out of your head and get into your body. Most of us live constantly in our heads. We literally aren't even aware that we have a body unless it starts to hurt. And then we just take a pill to make it better. Our monger takes up a lot of space in our head. So the more time we spend in our head, the more we stay out of our body and the louder our monger gets. One key to channeling your biggest fan is getting into your body. When we can slow down and get into our body, we can change our perspective. By changing our physical presence, we can see more options. And the last step, K, kindly pull back to see the big picture, happens with more ease. But when I share this step with my clients, their eyes tend to glaze over and I can almost hear them literally saying, yeah, 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 get into your body. It's a similar reaction to the idea of acknowledging your feelings. Helpful, but the last thing you want to do. But thanks to more and more research being done in the Mind-Body Connection, we have heard so many times that we need to slow down and get into our bodies that we don't even hear it anymore. And I know that when you're in go-go-go mode, checking off the to-do list and running from activity to activity, the very last thing you want to do is get into your body. Trust me, I totally get it. I fought for years the idea of getting out of my head and into my body. Whenever you hear the words get into your body, the next word you often hear is meditate. Now don't get me wrong, meditation is awesome. If you're able to meditate and have a regular meditation practice, rock on. You can use that practice with this second step of ask, the S, slow down and get into your body. A meditation practice is amazing. And meditation, it's not for everyone. Honestly, I couldn't meditate for five minutes even if you held a gun to my head. And for way too many years, I beat myself up for that fact. My monger convinced me that there was only one way to get into your body and it was through meditation. So if I could not meditate, I would never be able to slow down and be present. Finally, I accepted that I was not going to be a super meditator or even an average meditator. I tried to find a way to hack it, to create a meditation practice that would work for me. No, I don't do 30 minutes of meditation a day or even five minutes, more like 10 seconds. I realized that even if I just touched my toes or wiggled my body for a few seconds and took some deep breaths while doing it, I was able to shift out of the headspace of the monger. Mindfulness hacks are simple and quick ways to slow down and get into your body. They work in two different ways, action and prevention. Action. This is the S part of ask. When you notice your monger chatting, practice a 10 second mindfulness hack. This allows you to get out of your head and into your body and channel your biggest fan. One of my favorite practices for this is to literally wiggle, wiggle my entire body because it makes me laugh and also because it changes my perspective and reminds me to literally give myself some wiggle room. But it doesn't have to be that dramatic. I encourage clients to choose several go-to mindfulness hacks. The key to a good mindfulness hack is that it is a full body movement. So it is to touch your toes, wiggle your body, stretch for the sky, feel your feet on the floor, stand up and just move your hips around. Something that takes up your whole body. So when you hear your monger talking, you're going to take action. You're going to do a full body movement and that will be your mindfulness hack. Now, the second thing is prevention. Because you can also use mindfulness hacks to cultivate more awareness of your monger. Randomly throughout the day, do another quick movement that puts you in your body. Touch your toes, look up and notice the clouds, or take three deep breaths at a stoplight. Frequently, I will set an alarm on my phone to remind me to take these breaks. These mindfulness hacks help break the endless chatter of your mind, a.k.a. your monger. And they allow you to spend some time in your body and with your biggest fan. Your monger tends to lull you into a trance of being critical and shaming. Because these mindfulness hacks pull you out of your mind and change your physical state, you can start to break that trance and notice your monger chatting. The more you can break the monger trance, the less power your monger will have. So as a reminder, there are two ways to use these mindfulness hacks. One, as an action when you hear your monger talking, and two, as a prevention, doing it randomly throughout the day to practice getting into your body. Other thing it took me a very long time to reconcile was that accomplishment and drive could take up the same space as slowing down and intentionally living. One of the issues with high functioning anxiety is that slowing down is freaking hard. To slow down requires us to work against our anxiety and our drive and our push 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 mentality. This pull is so strong, I wanted to punch my husband, who I adore. I realized that it took some big time trust on my part to actually slow down. The issue isn't that we don't know how to slow down. The issue is that we don't want to slow down because we don't trust that slowing down is a good thing. Here's a great example. You've heard that slowing down is good for you and you agree wholeheartedly. You want to slow down. You decide to attend a yoga class or do a five minute meditation every morning. And here's the part few people talk about. At first, slowing down is painful. It causes us to be more aware, Ugh. feel more. Ugh. And gives space for that nasty voice in our head to tell us how lazy and slow we are. Hello, monger. And then after our painful morning experience with slowing down, we meet a friend for lunch who's all about sharing everything she's accomplishing, how early she's getting up, and how she's killing it on a daily basis. All hail the to-do list. And your BFF jumps in to say, screw this slowing down thing. Let's just keep pushing. Slowing down is like working out. That first workout after months or years of not working out can cause us to be incredibly sore. So too the act of slowing down. Except society usually supports our idea of working out and society does not support the idea of slowing down. And especially of the idea that slowing down can increase productivity. I mean, that's just crazy. So yes, slowing down will initially be painful And then after a few days, weeks, months, it gets less painful. Those thoughts and feelings aren't so scary and you realize that being intentional and aware opens up your life in a way your to-do list can't even touch. So here are my tips for practicing the slow down and get into your body when it is the last thing you want to do. Tip number one, start small. As I said, a five-minute meditation is a long time to be silent when you haven't done it before. Some of us are hardwired to go, go, go. So slowing down is the last thing we want to do. I have added slowing down to, into my life by practicing these mini rituals throughout the day. So start where you are. Being in the shower when you're in the shower. Notice how hard this is to do, to just let the water wash over you, to smell the shampoo as you're rubbing it in your hair. So often when we're in the shower, we're actually already at work, running through the to-do list, getting ready to go. You can take three deep breaths at the stoplight. This is a great way to just calm yourself when you're stuck in traffic or overwhelmed as you're driving to work. Or pick a task and hyper focus on it. Go through your senses as you complete the task. Example, cutting vegetables for dinner or cleaning dishes or writing an email. One task at a time, hyper-focused. In that same vein, you can do anything slower. Drive slower, eat slower, walk slower, or do that full body movement. Wiggle your body, dance to your favorite song, touch your toes, reach for the sky, or roll your neck. Tip number two, visualize your thoughts and feelings on a conveyor belt. Visualize a conveyor belt running above your head with packages. Each package is a thought ranging from what are we going to have for dinner to I shouldn't have spoken up at that meeting. That conveyor belt is constantly moving with thought after thought after thought. When we are still, we can notice those thoughts moving quickly and randomly down the conveyor belt. Occasionally, we'll pick up a thought package off the conveyor belt and obsess over it. The thought of I shouldn't have spoken up at that meeting becomes what were you thinking? You're such an idiot. They were all staring at you like you were speaking Greek. When I notice myself obsessing over a thought, I will take my hands as if I'm holding a package and then lift the package back up on that conveyor belt that is above my head. This is a reminder to me that I have a choice. I can choose to obsess over a thought and beat myself up, or I can put that thought right back up there on the conveyor belt and let it roll on by. Yes, most likely the thought will come back. And then you just rinse and repeat, lifting that thought back up and saying, nope, not right now. This visual helps us to remember that we don't have to be consumed by our thoughts. We could take them or leave them. Our thoughts and feelings are separate from us. Tip number three, stay in your own car. Now, you've heard me talk about this analogy before, but it is one of my favorites. As we start to loosen up our go-go-go mentality we also start comparing ourselves to others. Yes, your friend might be accomplishing a ton in her life. Yes, your coworker might be able to function on five hours of sleep. And yes, your neighbor appears to work full-time, raise three amazing kids, and keeps her yard pristine. Good for them. But as your mom told you, you are not your friend. You can only take care of you, so don't worry about how much other people are accomplishing or how driven they are. Comparing yourself to others is 100% monger activity. You are you. Stay in your own car. Tip number four, there is no right way. The point of slowing down is to create ways for you to get out of the hustle, notice your monger chatting, and be more engaged in your life. Slowing down by its very nature will make your monger more chatty, and she will have a lot of tips for how you should be doing it. Remind yourself repeatedly that there is no right way. One day you might be great at slowing down. The next day you might forget about it completely. That's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. It is a practice and a process, and it does get easier. Tip number five, keep practicing. When I first started intentionally slowing down, I had to keep bringing myself back over and over and over. I still haven't made it through a shower without getting lost in my head, but when I started, I couldn't even make it through the shampoo portion of my shower. It doesn't matter how many times you have to remind yourself to slow down, just keep practicing. Slowing down and getting into your body is a key step because it changes our physical perspective. We are so often in go, go, go mode where our monger chats unchecked, pulling ourselves out of that mode to slow down and get into our body is challenging, which is why the mindfulness hacks work so well. Pick a few of your favorites and put them on sticky notes around your house or set an alarm on your phone to remind you to practice one of them. When you do the S slow down and get into your body, you can literally shut out the continual blah, blah, blah of the monger as you concentrate on what is going on in your body which then allows the next step, K, kindly pull back to see the big picture to flow that much easier. Next week, we'll be talking about that step, that K step, the last step in the three-step process to help you hear from your biggest fan more. I'll see you then. If you don't do it, who will? If you're not hustling, pushing, and keeping it all together yourself, nothing will get done. Look, you don't need me to tell you that. You tell yourself every day. There's that voice inside your head constantly pushing you to do more, be more, and get closer to perfect. And there are all the people, your family, friends, and random people on the street who congratulate you on how productive you are. Mixed messages, am I right? I know I'm right because I've dealt with high-functioning anxiety too. I know what it's like to relish the accolades that come your way one minute and shame yourself for being so tired and overwhelmed the next. And I've been working with women like you living with hidden anxiety every day for over 20 years as a coach and counselor. I wrote The Happier Approach to give you a framework for dealing with your anxiety and start living happier. The Happier Approach will help you understand the voices in your head and what to do with them. It's not another woo-woo self-help book that asks you to think positively and live your best life. It's a practical guidebook for getting out of survival mode and finding a genuinely happy and productive life. You can find The Happier Approach on Amazon, Audible, or Barnes & Noble. And do you know someone who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them a link to the show website, live-happier.com podcast, or you can encourage them to listen via Apple Podcast, Overcast for Apple phones, or Stitcher and Google Podcasts for Androids. For those of us with high-functioning anxiety, we can often feel so alone, and asking for help is hard. But hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend. So don't underestimate the power in sharing.